Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Good. And kind of an early night, eh? Like the game started early and uh, it's over early. So here we are doing the podcast fairly early, not at midnight or 1 a.m. like when it's a West Coast game. So uh, that's all right. This was a late game compared to those two on the weekend, though. This yeah, whole road true. trip, eh? <laughs> yeah, that was wild. So uh, interesting game, Bruce. The Oilers won 3 nothing. Didn't ever have the feeling of being in doubt, mainly because the Flyers couldn't make a play around the net. If they'd connected on some other chances where they got close to the net, there was probably three or four chances where they were in really tight, absolutely looked like they were going to score, and then they muffed it. And that really, um, that really stymied them. Um, so we had the grade A scoring sh- uh, shots at, uh, where is, oh, 13 to 9 for the Oilers. Both teams with just five, five alarm chances. It wasn't a particularly good or exciting game, but it was a win for the Oilers when they badly needed a win yeah. against a team that struggled all year. So let's do our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. Bruce, what is your good thing? <clears throat> oh, I got to go with the shutout man tonight, Mikko Koskinen. Uh, I thought he had an excellent game under. Uh, uh, it was kind of a difficult game because of the the flow of play and uh, chances would kind of develop out of the blue. And he was standing tall always. And about probably 40% of the time, uh, it seemed like the Flyers would miss the net or miss, un, under-execute when they had the puck really in the danger zone. Uh, but Koskinen did come up with a few uh, um, excellent stops there. And... Uh, it just really punctured any chance Philly had to get in that game. You know, with sort of average goaltending, that easily could have been two to two down the stretch, you know, and not two to nothing for uh, for Evans. <clears throat> what do you have for uh, five alarms? Five, five, such? five, and then uh, nine grade A's. But mm-hmm. there was there was lots of borderline grade A's, you know, mm-hmm. like kind of outside shots that were tricky. Bruce, he looked as good in the nets, like in terms of his how he looked. Mm-hmm. And his stature and that, he looked as good as he's looked all year to me. He just really looked like he was in command. Like yes. he was, he was not fighting it in any single way. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, that's good news for the Oilers. Because as we know, Koskinen can get on hot streaks mm-hmm. if he's not overused. Mm-hmm. And he can, he can, he can play well. So maybe, uh, maybe there's something going on here. <clears throat> Yeah. Anyway, he yeah he's standing tall. I like how he's uh, aggressive in the in the crease. He's not like uh, tied to the crossbar the way Smith has been this last while. He's you know aggressively out on top of his crease or further out than that when there's uh, shooters got no options. Big Miko comes outside of the blue paint. Well, shooter isn't going to see a whole lot of net now, is he? And uh, they didn't they didn't see any net. His his biggest problem was when the puck was on his own stick. There was a uh, First period power play for Philly, where Mikko almost put one puck over the glass after about 20 seconds of the power play. And then he did shoot one over the glass about 50 seconds later. And they wound up with the two-man advantage for uh, minute 11. And this was a key turning point in this game, Edmonton killing off that uh, that uh, uh, 
five on three power play and the two shorter five on fours to either side of that and emerging from that zero zero and then scoring themselves on their their first power play minutes later or no sorry their second power play but right after they killed three on five that really turned the game around and Koskin, for the mistake that he made taking that penalty, he made a couple of good stops on the penalty kill. And the trio of uh, uh, CC, Nurse, Dreisaitl really got the job done in there too and and kept uh, the play mostly to the outside and they even managed to rush it down the ice and kill a bunch of time in Philadelphia's end of the ice, uh, courtesy uh, Mr. Dreisaitl. Yeah, that was Miko's first shutout day of the year and... Uh... Since so 2019, his first shutout in three, almost wow. three seasons. Yeah. So um, statistically, his best game of the year. Mm-hmm. What would you? I gave him an eight, Bruce, because yeah, yeah. I thought I was thinking mm-hmm. it not. Yeah, there just yeah, wasn't I, enough action. It was a great game. It was a that's great. That's a great. Game. That's a great game, and that I I agree with that. I think his out his more outstanding game was the one in in Florida, even though oh, he yeah. gave in three goals. Yeah, and he graded out a nine in that game, which is outstanding. And eight merely means great game, and I think that's a good, pretty good description. You know, he you know he kept everything out. He made a few real good stops. He was solid as an oak in there. I mean, that's uh, that's what you want. But uh, it wasn't like he completely stole the game. But he uh, sure didn't let Philadelphia steal it. And that uh, was a goaltending duel. Carter Hart made some dandy stops as well. Carter Hart was really good, and. Um... Yeah, the Oilers, uh, you know, the difference was the Oilers were able to get a couple in. They were just, they jammed in their chances when they mm-hmm. had to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. Bruce, my good thing, I'll go with the play of the Oilers' two centers, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Mm-hmm. They've had a lot of hockey in the last little while. And, <laughs> excuse me, and um, y- you might have thought that both of them would be tired. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, the Oilers really needed this win. And they yep. really needed their best players to be their best players. Mm-hmm. And they and they were. McDavid mm-hmm. was fantastic tonight, I thought. He was just mm-hmm. all night long dancing with the puck. Really super dangerous. He um, he led the team with uh, seven shots on net. He, according to our calculations, our observations, he, had, he was uh, made a major contribution to, to eight grade A shots, again, leading the team. Um, he came out right from the start. He was attacking the net. Uh, making plays in the net, nearly got a, you know got a couple of really good shots on net early on. Then early in the second, he pulled off the Zetterberg, the Zetterberry, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, that play where you where you the Derek Ryan made the other night, and that right. uh, I think it was Tony Brar of the Oilers that pointed out that this was Zetterberg's famous move. Mm-hmm. And what it is, you're going down one on one with a player. You have a you have a step on them, but that player could easily force you into an outside shot. But you. You pull the puck quickly under their stick as they're defending, and then you move. You make a hard, hard, aggressive move with your body into the middle of the ice, and then fire mm-hmm. off the puck. And he did that and got off mm-hmm. a dangerous shot early in the second period. Um, yeah, and other plays he was involved in all kinds of really nice plays and and um, got an empty netter for uh, his 29th goal nice. of the season. Got a cheap assist. Kind of on the dry saddle goal, just sort of a routine pass back to the point. But he did make other plays where he would have gotten a you know, well-deserved assist that didn't wind up in the net. And then the empty netter at the end. Yeah, the Zetterberg. Yeah, I read Tony's tweet on that. And I 
I remember you exclaiming about that move by Ryan on Sunday during the podcast, as I recall, and and uh, thinking to myself, man, Zach Cassian, why doesn't he ever do that? Ever do that? But he'll do. He'll pull up and do the button hook, you know. Let alone make a power move to the net. And it's just you don't have to be huge to do it. You just gotta get your nose in there and do it. Uh, so Leon Dreisaitl is the second part of my good thing, Bruce, and and he was also really skating well. Uh, you know, there, he had some defensive mistakes. There was a few that he was in on, but um, you know, he was in on Edmonton's first five alarm chance early in the second period. He he made a fantastic move where he just kind of spun and twisted down the boards and went hard to the net, put it on net, and Derek Ryan uh, jammed a shot at the goalie. You know, in tight, and that that was a that was a really great play. And on the Oilers' second goal, he made, you know, two great plays. First of all, he controls the puck in the corner with his <laughs> trademark fantastic puck protection move and makes a great, I think it was a backhand pass uh, over to Duncan Keith, who made a fantastic pass himself to Bouchard. And then Bouchard mm-hmm. whips the shot on net. And who's who's right beside the net then to to fire the puck and almost score? Leon Dreisaitl. Mm-hmm. Um, and Yamamoto finally puts it in. And uh, just a great, great play that he was involved in there. His power play goal, um, I'm not exactly sure how that beat Carter Hart. It seemed like a savable shot to me, and it seemed like Carter Hart got a good view of it. It was, And it looked like it was fluttering a bit. Like Maybe it was a bit of a knuckle puck, and I don't think it was screened or tipped. So... I don't know. You're Leon Dreisaitl. You put enough hard shots and high, sh- you know, he did kind of yeah. pick the corner-ish. Yeah. You put enough shots on that and you're going to get one or two like that. He doesn't get a lot of, of that kind of goal. Most of them, he just slams at home. But that was a, that was a, a nice goal as well. So good. that was a, I, I gave him a seven and I gave McDavid an eight out of 10 for the game. And I just That's thought they, they were, they both played very well. That's fair. Dreisaitl, he's a lightning rod, man. I, I a couple of Leafs fans this morning on Twitter were trying to convince me that Leon was the worst defensive player and just a junk defensive player and stuff. And I know we've had discussions. He does make defensive mistakes, but guess what? He also makes great plays defensively. And our system doesn't rate him. And apparently some people that don't watch the game and only see the occasional highlights don't even know what's going on out there because Leon makes a lot of fine defensive plays. There was one tonight. Defense to offense. Some guy on Philly zinged a high pass right through the Edmonton slot, and Leon took it right out of the air, about two feet off the ice, took it down with the paddle, and he was gone the other way on a three-on-two rush. Drove the defense all the way back, pulled up, and fired a perfect cross-ice pass to Nurse on the far point for a dangerous play. It was just sort of beautiful hockey from one end of the rink to the other. And he's capable of those moments or, you know, stretches sequences of of uh just super elite play like that and a lot of games it's you know pretty rich admixture of the two like he did have a couple of uh, a couple of howlers in this game no argument but uh i also thought he was pretty close to the best player on the ice overall I and mean, then he did uh he did a lot of things right i thought he had three points to tell the truth but uh anyway we'll get into that in a minute yeah, there was a couple ones. He he and Bouchard, I think twice maybe even were beat, uh, and the Flyers muffed those chances. Yeah, uh, beat into the slot. But yeah. so so there was that, and you know, I, I've always felt like he like he's 
he can be a fantastic defensive player. He often is, but he's an idiosyncratic player. He plays mm-hmm. the game his yep. his way, and um, you know it, it. It often leads him to reading the play, and sometimes he guesses wrong, mm-hmm. and something bad happens. But um, he can be a good defensive player. Maybe is there some stat like I, I know a few years ago when he and McDavid. Uh, when he won the MVP, didn't he and McDavid have terrible goals against per per sixty yep. five on five? I'm not sure where he's at this year in that regard, but better it Bruce in our plus minus, you know, where we actually just give you credit for when you create a goal and a minus for when you make a mistake on a goal against. Leon Dreisaitl is freaking outstanding on this every single year. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he he is right up there with McDavid, way ahead of everybody else on the team in terms of real goals plus minus like where you actually make a play to score a goal and you actually make a mistake on a goal against Leon Dreisaitl is such a fantastic plus hockey player and and I you know if other people use this system like if you were rating the Toronto Maple Leafs I'm sure Austin Matthews would also rate very well I don't know if he'd rate as highly as Leon Dreisaitl though in in this regard because Leon really does create a lot of goals and in the end he doesn't seem to give up a lot of goals against um even in that year where he had a bad, you know, on ice number for goals against. So yeah, yeah, he's uh, he he is a light he is a lightning rod. I really, I mean, he's such a fantastic hockey player. I don't uh, I don't you know I criticize him a lot, but I really really admire his game and think he's obviously he's he's uh, you know one of the top five NHL players today. Well, um, we, know Bruce, he could be, we know he could be better, right? <laughs> I keep yeah. be off, you know. If he if he was like on top of his game all the time, which few players are to be honest. Yeah, that's right. Uh, he would be uh, uh, even more amazing than than he is. But uh, uh, another yeah, game but, winning goal tonight, you know. Yeah, I mean, who is who? Who actually is that he, player that's that's you know great all the time? I and we've seen McDavid and Drysaddle now for how many years, and so we've seen greatness. And even with them, like there's plenty, there's plenty of mistakes that they're making all the time. So especially in the defensive end, but it would, you know, I just oh, go ahead. Sorry, a stat for you. Since um, uh, uh, Jay Woodcroft came up and took over the team and gave the centers their new responsibilities, ten games now under Woodcroft, five on five. Drysdale has been on the ice for nine goals, four and zero against. Not there a single go. goal scored against Dry Settle at five on five since Woodcroft took over ten games ago. And he's been mainly playing center without McDavid, right? And right. I just think that is and the a lot of minutes. That is the way the orders have to go. Yeah. And they're they're doing it. Of course they have the wingers now to do it. You know, they do have Kane and they've got Hyman and Fogel yeah. and Fog- who's a good player and Yamamoto who's a good player. Boy, like Yamamoto made some fantastic defensive stops yeah. in the slot. He made a yeah, couple okay. of them. And he had it. Yeah, I gave him a seven and he, and he scored a goal, like a really nice goal. Bruce, why don't I just segue to my bad thing here? Because sure. we've been we've been kind of edging around it. But yeah, Yamamoto's goal. There were fabulous plays by Dreisaitl, uh, Duncan Keith, who made a st- absolutely stellar pass. As soon as it hit his stick, it was off the ice diagonally to Bouchard. And Bouchard had all kinds of time in there and he hammered a great shot. Uh, Dreisaitl then puts it back on net, almost scores. And then Yamamoto comes in, in the scramble and slams it in the net. And the NHL, in their non-wisdom, gave zero assists on that play. 
Like that was that is ridiculous. There, yeah. I don't even know if a flyer got his stick on the puck. Sure didn't Kinda? have full possession of it. He oh. did not have full possession of it. And there, there, they should go back and review that and give Drysaddle and Bouchard assists. That's not justice in terms of they the took him away. They gave him assists and then they took him away. They determined the guy had possession and basically Leon powered the puck into the crease and was loose in the blue paint and a flyer guide tried to shove it out and he shoved it about one foot and Yamamoto came and hammered it into the net, but there was no kind of possession or control at any point. That was a yeah. desperation play. Edmonton caused the scramble. Philly couldn't solve it. Edmonton scored. I mean, to me, that was a goal. It was, uh, it was almost Yamamoto from Drysaddle, Kane, Bouchard and Keith. I mean, they were all involved in yeah. the play because Kane was in there raising Kane in the, in the crease and that was part of the reason Philly couldn't couldn't deal with the situation. Anyway, whatever. Uh, it went up on the big board, and uh, it was a good play by Yamamoto. And uh, as you point out, one of more than one that he made in this game. I thought he was pretty good in this game. Might have been one of his best games of the year. Yamamoto's been kind of, you know, like he's been up and down. But this, he was he was really playing well tonight. Bruce, two what's shots, your best? Two shots, two hits, two, two block shots, a takeaway. And the most bogus penalty that uh, we've seen since probably last game. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to get it right if you're See what uh, I did there? too. <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah. Well, okay. we all remember. Oh, my, ba- yeah. my bad thing is uh, is the ice and the puck in, uh, in Philadelphia. I, I, I still think of it as the Spectrum. I know it's some corporate name, uh, acronym, arena now. Anyway, uh uh, oh, Wells Fargo Center. There you go. Anyway, the puck was bouncing, bouncing, bouncing. Nobody could get control of it. There was just, there was a couple of sequences there. It was almost comically Keystone Cops bad, where it was just bouncing around. They couldn't get it out. They couldn't get it in. They couldn't, you know, they couldn't control it. Went from one team to the other team to nobody having it at all. And the puck was just, uh, I don't know if they didn't freeze the pucks or maybe they forgot to freeze the ice. <laughs> it, was, it was weird and I think it crimped Edmonton's style uh, in some ways more than Philly's and on the other hand Philly's inability to execute uh, and around the net uh, some of that was due to pucks bouncing off of sticks and stuff and I just thought that the, it introduced too much of an element of chaos into this game and, and hats off to those players who were able to control the puck and settle it down and get it to do what they wanted to do because that was no easy task in this game. Yeah, sometimes it's just sometimes it is just the game. Like sometimes mm-hmm. it that just happens, but often it does. Bad ice is a part of it, and chippy ice is a part of it. Yeah, that was a weird one. There was a, that that was yeah. that was not oh, a very oh. thrilling <laughs> game in terms of great plays being made. There was very few uh, of yeah. those. Maybe, and I just thought maybe it's the Flyers because they're such a crappy team this year but um well i'm gonna blame the ice fair enough (laughs) uh what is your number bruce okay my number is 200 and that is the number of nhl games played by one brad malone and i think brad malone deserves a big shout out for making it all the way back to the nhl three years after his last game which was the last game of the 2018-19 season which he finished out with the oilers Happened to be his 199th. And that was the game that Leon got his 50th in Calgary. And then 
that Connor got hammered into the goalpost when he got taken down by Giordano and wrecked his knee. It was a pretty momentous game, and you probably don't think much about Brad Malone when you think of that game. <laughs> but you can think, that was a long time ago now. That was his last NHL game, and since then he played a year down in Bakersfield, never got the call. And then he accepted a two-year AHL-only contract. And I thought, well, that's it. You know, the NHL dream. Once they accept an AHL deal, you don't generally see him again. And too bad he's, you know, on the cusp of this little personal milestone of his. And, you know, all he did down in Bakersfield was bust his ass for uh, Jay Woodcroft. He was his captain for those two seasons that he signed the AHL deal. He had, like, 21 goals, 31 assists, plus 21 in 60, 62 games over those two sort of partial seasons. So it's the most he's ever scored at the AHL level in his life. He's actually improving as a scorer in his 30s. You do not see that very often. And the Oilers signed him the day that uh, uh, Jay Woodcroft got the job. And uh, it took a while for things to work out. He got COVID the first time they almost died. But uh, they called him up and Woodcroft put him in the game tonight, his 200th. And you know what? He played uh, nine minutes and 22 seconds of this game, but he played more than half of it in the third period when the Oilers were sitting on the 2 nothing lead. And you'd see Brad Malone out there. He had four shifts in the last six minutes, in fact, five shifts in the last uh, nine minutes of the game. And uh, he went 4-0 on the face-off dot. He had three hits, including at least one doozy of a hit. He really smoked one guy. Zach and McEwen. He he, yeah. Zach, yeah he extra didn't... points for that. Zach McEwen. Like a, <laughs> oh, that guy. Yeah, one of these guys He's the guy that thugged Cassian, isn't he, uh, McEwen? Yeah, that's right. In the fight. Yeah, is that he it? concussed yeah. Cassian when so. he was with the, uh, with the Canucks, Canucks in the preseason. Yeah, yeah, Okay. I, I had not made that connection. All I know is he, he really hammered the guy. But I just thought he he came in and he played like the professional that he is. And hats off to you, Brad Malone. That 200th game milestone took a lot more work for you than it did for a lot of guys. And uh, I love stories like that. I mean, I, I live for that kind of stuff. Underdog stories. So He's... he's 32 years old now. Mm-hmm. And this year in the AHL, he, he did have his best point per game season i think yep. or it's close to last year actually yep. 31 oh, points in 35 games he was he's been used in the power play i understand this year yeah. in bakersfield so that partly explains it but bruce um where has this guy been all this year because he this guy the player i saw tonight he's exactly what the oilers have needed in mm-hmm. a four-flying role at center all year long mm-hmm. a big guy who hits and can mm-hmm. play some hockey I mean, yeah. you know, and, sh- and shame on me, shame on us. Sh- who anyone who f- kind of l- laughed a little bit when we when he signed the pro contract and think I, I, I thought it was great. And he's and he got called up, and he got got called up. I was thinking, well, I was just thinking, there's no way because having seen Brad Malone before in the NHL, I just thought there's not a no. player here, but there there is a player. He he has improved. If this game is indicative of Brad Malone, like what he can really bring game in game out, he mm-hmm. has improved his game. Um, he, he didn't look as slow. Uh, he looked better with the puck than he has in the past. And he looks like, you know, the order we've, we've been saying, the orders need a big physical player who can play some defense and, um, help on the penalty kill and, and get the job done for the orders. Fine. And here he, and 
there he is. Could this be him? Could wouldn't that now that would be a great story. If he like one game is just one game, but if he can continue to do this right. over a length of time, I agree with you, Bruce. This will be a fantastic story for the Oilers uh, for this to happen. So fingers crossed. Good for Brad Malone on his debut. Yeah, so I'll start a debut. I mean, he's he's played in pre- prior seasons. He played six and then seventeen games for the Oilers on call-ups. And both 16, years, he yeah. got, or seven and sixteen, he got no goals, no assists, no points, and an even plus minus. Like nothing yeah. happened when the guy was on the ice. But you know what? In the Bettman Point era of the NHL, a guy that can saw off has value. Not just null value; it's actual positive value. And you know, in a game like this where you're protecting a lead, that guy is useful. And if you're trailing, well, maybe he doesn't get as much ice. So uh, I don't. I don't mind it. I, I like. To, I've seen him play enough in Bakersfield to go, holy moly, this guy's a real gamer. Like he's tough. He's got a mean streak, and you know he's he can play in Bakersfield. He plays all situations and plays them well. He's a gray beard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my uh, number, Bruce. Uh, I'm going to go with zero, which is the that was Duncan Keith keeping a clean sheet. So at even mm. strength, he did not make one major mistake on a grade A shot against. And right. Cody Cece also kept a clean sheet. Uh, and so two two defensemen in the top four did that in this game. Tyson Barron and Darnell Nurse didn't. They struggled a bit now and then. But uh, I want to single out Keith because he's been high event all year. He, you know, he's leaked more grade A shots against, made major mistakes on them than any other, uh, a higher rate than any other Oilers in a top four role any other Oilers D-man in a top four role. He's had his struggles on defense, but he looked really good in his comeback game here. He's back from injury. And he moved the puck exceptionally well. He defended well. He looked really solid. And um, yeah, good for him. I, and, I, and again, it's just one game. You never know if these things are con- going to continue. It was one game against on choppy ice against the team that, that uh, struggled. But I don't think he was actually in the middle of any of those muffed chances either. I don't think he, like, he, it was, that was other defensemen um, who were in the middle of that stuff. He, he was pretty good all game long. So um, that's a good sign, Bruce. They, the orders really, obviously, they need Duncan Keith. They need all these players to perform, but they really need, you know, anyone in a top four role on defense. He, he played, so he played 15, 56 plus two. He made a nice play on the uh, on the um, empty net goal, getting the puck out and, and up the ice to the three forwards charging down there. So um, that's a good. It's better than the opposite. Like good for him coming in and having that great debut return from or great returning, I should say, from from injury. Yeah, no, he was very good. If we'd have done our two good things each thing, he would have been my second good thing in this game. I thought. Yeah. He played a strong game. I thought he was uh, he was on the puck and uh, in his own zone as well. And now he played uh, a fair bit with uh, uh, Evan Bouchard in this game, just bringing up the ice time. Yeah, he played six minutes with Bouchard, during which time Oilers outshot the Flyers nine to two, six minutes. And he also played with William Laguson a little bit, about almost five minutes. So he was he only played two minutes with CC. So he was really more third pairing than second as I worked him back in. But I I liked his partnership with Bouchard a lot, and I'm thinking maybe this is the kind of partner Bouchard needs because uh, other you know he's uh, uh, he's had his struggles when he's played with you know uh, uh, 
another young defenseman. And of course, Doug McKeith is anything but that. And I thought he did a good job of getting the puck to Bouchard with Bouchard then having room to do stuff with it, including on that goal where he set him up so cleanly that Bouchard was able to walk in, hold the puck, pick his spot, nearly beat Hart outright, but begin the scoring sequence all the same. And that was the terrific play by Keith. So Yeah, maybe he maybe he could work with Bouchard. I mean, I was a little skeptical because they're both like leaky in terms of grade A shots, real leaky. But, um, you know, Keith is like, if, if you're a critic of Duncan Keith this year, and there are, there are many, there are no shortage of those, those people. Um, I think if you, if you do not give him credit for being a a super sharp puck mover and smart with the puck, I don't think you're an honest critic. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what you're seeing, honestly, because he has Mm -hmm. been really good with the puck all year long. Mm -hmm. And the point that you're making that maybe... Um, teaming that kind of player with with Bouchard is a good idea. It could well be. Um, it could it could you know free up Bouchard to make some really great plays if he just has a little bit more time yeah. when he has the puck. Because uh, Evan Bouchard can, can make great plays with the puck. Like he's fantastic as well. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, it's going to come down to how well can they defend, especially against tough cycling teams, and you know just against top offensive teams. How, how could, could those two players hang in there? And um, maybe they could, you know, we'll see. They'd both have to step it up a bit. But uh, sometimes you yeah. get the chemistry and you get you get your mindset correct and you take off as a pairing. So. Well, if Keith can get the puck to um, uh, Bouchard, and I think we agree that Keith's quick movement passing of the puck is his top skill. Yeah. He can get it to Bouchard in Oilers' end. And Bouchard's got a little bit of time. He's uh, capable of making the great outlet passes himself. And, of course, so is Keith, personally. Yes. Uh, and in the offensive zone, though, you give Bouchard a bit of room. And, boy, that's trouble for the other team. Well, that's really where it's exciting, isn't it, Bruce? Mm-hmm. If you think about that, like the, if that, that play that we saw tonight, if they can replicate that once a game where Keith makes this really super quick pass over to Bouchard and Bouchard suddenly has, wow, wide open space, mm-hmm. he's going to make something happen because yeah. Evan Bouchard... He looked tonight, he had some defensive struggles, but Bouchard was really good with the puck and made some, uh, Was he, he was involved in four grade A shots at even strength with his passing and shooting. So um, that's a really good a number for a defenseman. Yeah, that's for sure. So Chicago Thursday night, Bruce? Yep, they're next. Oh, That'll be a big game for Duncan Keith. Oh, yeah. You know, he's, he's played twice against Chicago. He got hurt in the second game, of course, but they were both in Edmonton, and it's uh, not quite the same for a former player to play his old team in his new barn. It really hits home when he goes back to the place he played for many years. So it'll, it'll be a it'll be a big night for him in the United Center on uh, on Thursday, and hopefully he uh, rises to the occasion and has a has another good game. This was very encouraging, though, for a guy who hadn't played for three weeks. I thought he was sharp. Yeah, let me just look at the standings here real quick. I don't know if you've looked at them tonight or not, but uh, see where the orders are right now. Tied Chris with was... Dallas with uh, minus one games in hand. So there, there'll be two points ahead of Dallas. With, You're talking a uh, wild card race. Yes. So yeah, in the I... West, they're, uh, they played the same number of games as Los Angeles. Los Angeles has two more points. So nothing to speak of separating the two teams, except for two points. Vegas has played one game less and has one less point than Edmonton. 
And Anaheim's played one game more and has uh, four points left, less than Edmonton and Los Angeles. Calgary's got a comfortable lead. Uh, So it's LA, Edmonton, and Vegas are really in a big fight here. Mm -hmm. Um, Conceivably, Anaheim and Vancouver even could could go on a huge streak and get back into it. It's looking less likely with every game that passes, but there's three teams right in the middle of it. And um, I like Edmonton's chances, Bruce. We just need some goaltending. Just need some goaltending. Well, they've been getting more of it than they were. Yeah, Uh, Edmonton's seventh in points and ninth in points percentage in the West, but it's like a dogfight, 587, 585, 583. So I'll call that a virtual tie. And uh, 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 they're in a more encouraging position now than, uh, I mean, seven and three under Jay Woodcroft, and that really has has, uh, brought them back to, you know, sort of level playing field in terms of going forward and now it's just a matter of staying healthy and you know executing that game plan and letting the big guys find ways to win games for them yeah we'll see what happens like the, it's interesting it's interesting Bruce because I don't think we're yet to see super chemistry from any of the top lines mm-hmm. we're yet to see McDavid or Dreisaitl form a line themselves I think with a group of players and have that line take off and and have that the team kind of ride that line, and it's possible that one or both players will find line mates before the end of the season where that will happen. I mean, we've seen that in in other years with McDavid and and with Drysaddle on different lines, and um, we could see that again this year, and uh, that would be huge for the Oilers. And I and I think I'm expecting to see that that one of one of those guys is going to get on a line that's going to start really putting it together. And um, um, that'll be a big difference. And so it just, if the orders get any kind of goaltending at all, I think they're in the playoffs personally, but um, that is the question mark, isn't it? So. Yeah. 28 games to go and it's uh, getting down to the nitty gritty. I often will uh, do an analogy comparing an entire season to a single hockey game uh, in terms of, how it develops. And right now it's like Edmonton's getting to the second intermission of a tie game. And, you know, it's all on the line uh, in the third period. Fair enough. In terms of making the playoffs, it's exactly what it's like. And uh, yeah, there's not going to be any easy moments through the, through the rest <laughs> of this. This game, I, I, I was exceedingly tense at times watching this game, even though, you know, Edmonton was, in control on the scoreboard, but there was just enough sloppiness in there and pucks going the wrong way at times. And it just, it's, you never know. The tension is, tension is ratcheting up. (sighs) Yeah. Alrighty. Well, Bruce, let's leave it there for tonight. Thanks for talking. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the cult of hockey podcast.